Welcome to Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTIQ plus news and public affairs show, featuring music, events, and interviews, both local and global. Live from the WFHB studios in Bloomington, Indiana, this is Blooming Out. You are not around, slowly drifting. Welcome back, loves. Thank you for tuning in or streaming or downloading Blooming Out on WFHB. I'm Melanie Davis. I'm Justin Robertson. And I'm Ireland Meacham. Hey there, folks. What's up? Hi. How's the week going? Good. You started your job, right? I did. I like How's that? They brought me flowers and took me out to lunch. What? The people are so nice. I really like it. Aw, that's great. Exciting week, and we're actually in the office, so I'm not working from home anymore, which is I, I like better being in an office than being at home. Yeah, I just get more done, and um, at home, everything is about Teddy, my dog. <laughs> not that I complain about that, I love him and love being with him so much, but I don't get a whole lot of work done, right? Because he's spoiling him. <laughs> he's not used to me not being at home anymore. So he's they, to their babies don't understand. They why are you not here? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> How's your week been? Mine? Yeah. I don't even remember. I had a, a adverse reaction to the uh COVID yeah. vaccination. Uh, I Got really terrible vertigo and headaches, and it's still not entirely gone, but I'm so excited to have it, <laughs> and I'm really excited to get the second dose. Yeah, I mean, it, most people don't have any adverse reactions. I just had, I just happen to have it. So, like, I lost most of my weekend, and apparently Saturday night, I was jabbering around like I do the one time of year when I actually have stuff to drink on New Year's, so... I was just bah, 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 and it was it was embarrassing. But you're better now. Yeah, I'm I'm mostly better now. But most of the people I know had no problem at all. And I'm uh team Dolly, so I think I covered that last week, but just want to say it again because I'm really proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the exciting news in New York. They just announced that um everyone 30 plus can get the vaccine starting today as we're recording is is the 30 march 31st um and then uh april 6th will be when everyone can get it 16 plus oh so do you need a fake id (laughs) well it's i I can wait seven days i think but okay okay. yeah (laughs) but i'll be getting mine as soon as i can trust me um awesome yeah, I yeah. got mine last Friday, and I didn't really have too much trouble, except for I was really tired the next day, and my arm hurt, but, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. I was just sort of like, oh, I'm just going to couch surf today and read, yeah. and, you know, uh, so I took the day off, and that was nice, but, uh, yeah. Yay. Awesome. Cool. Ireland. Well, I just want to start off the show by making a statement. Here at Blooming Out, we have a certain set of values, mm-hmm. and- there was something that happened this week that just does not live up to those values. I don't know if you've heard, but Lil Nas X released a video, Call Me By Your Name, um, or Montero. Uh, and <sighs> this is just a devil-worshipping song. And I just, I 
I can't do this. <laughs> April Fools. Um, <laughs> wow, that was fast. <laughs> was it the yeah, Devil Worship? April Fools, we love that song. <laughs> I was like, okay, is anyone really going to believe me talking about some devil worshiping stuff? Maybe you never what know. I say on this show all the time. Who knows? But I did really love this song that Lil Nas came out with. And there's so there's been all this controversy around it. The Christians are are pressed because it's got some some hell imagery and Satan imagery and sort of turning it on its head. And Lil Nas may or may not pull dance down to hell and give Satan a lap dance. But um I th- I don't know. I think I mean the controversy is a little it's just kind of laughable. And I've seen, you know, all the the memory online is mostly just making fun of the people who are mad about it because it's such a, you know, like who cares? And I don't know. They're like mad that like their kids might see this, but it's not, it's like not, Lanaz is not a kid's artist. He's, you know, he can do what he wants and release the music that that he makes means a lot to him and the the whatever videos and and art that he chooses to use i saw this um someone had said you know don't be surprised if a system of religion that's used to make gay people hate themselves so much and used to oppress them don't be surprised if gay people grow up and reject this faith and make art that reflects how they now feel about it (laughs) you know like Uh um don't don't be surprised. <laughs> Lil Nas had a really good statement about it too, which I'll read in a second. But yeah, go ahead, Melanie. I was just going to say, having grown up in the the age of the satanic panic, late seventies and early eighties, and the blow up around that, and Tipper Gore, and you know, if you have a problem with this, Tipper Gore is still around. You should contact her. I'm sure she'd really, really want to hear from you. I can't believe that we're still in Donahue land. We're still in this mindset nationally of the kids are going to worship Satan because of some music. Yeah, right. It just seems a little, it seems very far-fetched to me. (laughs) Right. So It's just one of those arguments that's gone on for so long, as early as swing music back in the 1930s. And I mean, I'll bet before then jazz. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Jazz. Mm -hmm. That was the devil's music, right? You know, Uh it's the devil's music, especially if it involves black people, you know, Uh Mm -hmm. especially, absolutely white, right. wing, And it's very hard to say. I wonder what they had to say about madrigals. How far back does this go? Yeah. Whatever it's art. And there is a statement and the ending is what it is and take what you will from it. But it's the statement of an artist uh, mm-hmm. who's reflecting our culture back at us. So, yeah. And speaking of statements from the artist, here is Lil Nas's what he said about it um, on the day that it was released. It's a little note to himself. It goes, it's because Montero is the name of the song and that's his, apparently his real first name. Mm-hmm. So he goes, dear 14 year old Montero, I wrote a song with our name in it. It's about a guy I met last summer. I know we promised to never come out publicly. I know we br- promised to never be that type of gay person. I know we promised to die with the secret, but this will open doors for many other queer people who to simply exist. You see, this is very scary for me. People will be angry. They will say I'm pushing an agenda. But the truth is, I am. The agenda to make people stay the F out of other people's lives and stop dictating who they should be. Sending you love from the future. Perfect. 
beautiful. Yeah. 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 How many of us have written letters to ourselves like that or have thought, who were we, where we are, we are at? Like I said, this is reflective. People got on, but people get on music for all sorts of stuff, right? Chill out, people. This is not the end of the world. And if anything is bringing about the end of the world, it's intolerance and hate. Uh, and we've got plenty of that. So today, as of this recording, is March 31st, and it's the International Transgender Day of Visibility. Woo! We're not quite visible on the channel, but we are nevertheless here. All of us are out in our communities and our families. Like, well, all of us, I say. And we're we're doing it. And there are a lot of people who still can't. So there are so many of us who are, are out and visible because we can be or we feel we need to be for those people who can't. This morning I woke up and I checked the Facebooks and I stumbled across a uh, an article that I'll I'll talk about in a bit. And the, the common thread was 4,000 comments long and it had only been out for a couple hours. And most of it was extremely hateful. The article was about intersectionality in feminism. And so that got the day started off not as auspiciously and fun as I would like it. In in years past, we've done, uh, and I say we, and that means me and some of the other uh, members of Bloomington's trans community and other friends across the country have done Ask Me Anything events. And, and this year, it's kind of been tamped down, of course. Last year, it was really tamped down. Uh, everybody was still afraid to go anywhere. But you'll find a lot of people on your social media who are coming out, saying we're here. Please give them a like. Please show them support, because it's really, really difficult. Maybe you've been out for many years. Maybe you have, you're not out yet. Hit the like button. Show them some love. Maybe give them a secret message if hitting the like button you think will out you because there is a lot of hate still out there for the trans community. And in November on the 20th or around the 20th, we do the Transgender Day of Remembrance. And that's when we remember all of those who have passed in in the, the past 12 months. Last year was the biggest year yet. And this year is set to outpace that. There are many different reasons why, but... It, Part of it is the increased attention that we're getting in not just the media, but in legislatures all across the country, in people's living rooms. The the news is just awash in several different uh, controversies now, according to some news sources. And really encourage folks in your lives, or maybe you need encouragement too, to do some research. I, I would hope that uh, the people listening to the show are a little more knowledgeable and enlightened, possibly a lot more. I know many, many people who are just absolutely loving and accepting, and there is no ambiguity in how they feel. But there are still a lot of people out there who are needing a little more guidance. And today, just going over some of these stories, I see how pervasive the misinformation campaign is. Uh, it's, you know, all the fear we always talk about, fear of the unknown, the fear that you know, all of these values that these people thought to be true for so long are collapsing in front of them. And there's nothing they can do about it because they're not good values. I mean, that's an excellent point, Ireland. Yeah. You make really good points because they're not good values. 
but they're all that these people have known. But the, the disconnect is that they can't see how harmful it is, the what they're doing, how directly violent and how it directly correlates to higher suicide rates, higher violence against trans people, higher, like there's, there's all those facts, but none of those facts will convince them. There's the training that we get from when we're very little, right? Uh, A lot of uh, people who believe that the trans folk are, are LGBT folk in general, but trans folk right now and specifically are delusional. And I've been called a couple of times this week, insane, uh, clinically insane. They're trained up from an early age to believe the worst about us, right? The messaging has always been that we are deviant and that we are dangerous and that we are delusional. A lot of D's there. And that we should be avoided. We shouldn't be encouraged. And that we are um, a, a danger to society. So, yeah, they're going to react to us very negatively. I saw something on a, a local forum and it was a guy who was talking about carrying around his AR-15 pistol, which is smaller version of a regular AR-15 rifle, and saying how he's patrolling and he's talked to the police and they're aware that he's doing this and it's his right to and he's, you know, keeping things safe. And then I went to his social media account and I'm scrolling through and I got back to August and I took a lot of screen caps because there's a lot of racist stuff on there. And also, and specifically, transphobic memes and rhetoric. And he really, really doesn't like uh, trans folk. Now, he was vacillating on race and other things, but specifically, trans folk really set him off. I'm not going to speculate on why. I don't know. He didn't say exactly why. But that's not something that's exclusive to him or exclusive to even evangelical Christians, one of the articles that I was reading, it's it was mostly cisgender, radical feminist women. Mm-hmm. Isn't it always? <laughs> well, not always, but you know, you know, they've they've been giving us a lot of grief, especially this year. I feel like in the past couple of years, I, I think that they may feel more emboldened. I don't know. I don't know what drives that mindset. I don't know what drives that amount of hate, and it seems to be directed mostly at genitalia and colonization and yeah and erasure and that there's nothing that can convince them otherwise so the strange thing is evangelicals and turfs trans exclusionary radical feminists are kind of in the same boat and they support each other in that way in actuality not just in rhetoric they they actually support each other so that's disturbing but what's more disturbing is what that leads to what that training does when weaponized against people. And it's not just increased violence and death. Oddly enough, imposing restrictions on people by people who don't want restrictions imposed upon them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (sighs) So we have a lot of stories to cover. We'll just pop over them, I think. The first story I want to talk about, and this is a new trend. This is something that's just popped around this past couple of years, and that is attacking LGBT youth, in particular trans youth, uh, with all kinds of different bills. This year, the big thing is trans youth in sports. So just in the past week, just in this week, three states have signed anti-trans bills for anti-trans youth in sports bills, specifically. It's Tennessee, South Dakota, and Arkansas. And this is a huge issue, and it's a huge 
invented issue. Because though there are a couple of stories about cisgender girls who feel that they have missed out on opportunities because of a trans athlete that they were competing against, there are so many trans athletes out there who are competing and people don't know that they're trans or they compete and there's no controversy. It's only something that comes into play when people are panicked or told about it. And then all of a sudden it's, oh my god, you know, this big burly man is going to play in third grade girl soccer. And and that actually happened to uh, Jazz Jennings, who's, who's pretty famous. She was banned from playing soccer when she was a kid. But I also know right now here in the state, there are transgender girls who are playing soccer and it, it's not an issue, but people are making it such. So these states decided that they were going to to ban it. Uh, Tennessee, <sighs> Bill Lee, the governor, he, I think, you know, just likes to put out all these horrible things, make himself sound like the most conservative of conservatives. So he starts off with, I signed the bill to preserve women's athletics and ensure, ensure fair competition. This legislation responds to a damaging federal or damaging federal pro- policies that stand in opposition to the years of progress made under Title IX, and I commend members of the General Assembly for their bipartisan work. Okay, that's fine. Where he um, gets into it, and I can't find the exact quote now, darn it. He said that transgender participation, transgender girls participating in girls' sports, will destroy girls' athletics. Destroy it. Throw it away. Might as well not even have it. And again, that's that's hyperbole. It sounds ridiculous, but the parents are really upset and the communities are very upset and legislators feel like they need to respond. And so they do. Um, South Dakota, the governor signed it there with Christy Nome. She's really vying for running in uh, 2024, right? Um, yeah. For president. She said she was excited to sign it. She just wanted some style and form changes keep college athletics uh, competitions from boycotting the state. Uh, but she faced a lot of backlash because in the athletics departments of colleges and universities, uh, apart from being incredibly sexist, as we've already seen with the uh, NCAA tournament. Yeah, it's a whole other story. Right. They don't recognize this as a problem. It's not an issue for them. So they, they don't want these kinds of policies. This is not something they support. And really, anti-LGBT policies don't excite universities or businesses. Um, They don't want to come to your state if you are anti-LGBT. So I'm not sure exactly what the thought process was here. And then Arkansas is the third one. The governor, uh, Asa Hutchinson, and and this is going to, we're going to talk about Arkansas a little bit here. Um, but Asa Hutchinson signed a part of a, a package of anti-LGBT bills that were sent to him. He signed two, but this one is just the one for the, the athletics. This law simply says that female athletes should not have to compete in a sport against a student of the male sex when the sport is designed for women's competition. As I have stated previously, I agree with the intention of this law. This will help promote and maintain fairness in women's sporting events. The rhetoric that went on, and and I'm not going to go ahead and play all of it because it's really disturbing to me. The rhetoric that was tossed about in 
the legislature regarding these bills, uh, because all of this is televised, all of it's recorded and you can watch it, is absolutely inaccurate uh, conjecture. And it's based on talking points and not science or health or anything. This is not based on metrics. It's not based on even anecdotal evidence. It's just pandering, I guess. On that statement specifically, is just so like dripping with sexism too. Like it's just, this is a sport designed for women's competition. Like what is that, you know? And I mean, to go back to the NCAA stuff, there's still such an issue with the gendered sports teams in general. Like I don't, I don't see, I mean, why can't we just have a bunch of co-ed teams where all the kids can play together? Like skill level is not a factor here. There are many, you know, boy kids who play better than girls in some sports. There are many girl kids who play better than boys in some sports and like vice versa. And like, I don't, and then where are the, where did that, where does that leave the non-binary kids? Like, what are we supposed to do? You know, like, The whole thing doesn't make sense. Amen. It doesn't make sense. But once again, it's one of those things that has been going on forever. So what this really reminds me of is before it was uh, transgender people, it was women, right? Right. And so I find it really these people who are so conservative and don't want transgender people on the teams they should be on according to their own rules they didn't want women to play sports and now they're like saying you know oh you know it's gonna affect the sports game for our our, you know young women and you know it just it it does very much remind me of uh back when i was a kid you know with billy jean king and um bobby riggs yeah you know, when he had the battle of the sexes to prove that women couldn't play tennis as well as he could. Right. Like, a 55-year-old man, this 20-something-year-old woman can't beat me. Well, she beat him. <laughs> um, <laughs> no surprise. I kind of put an into it. And what was sort of great about that is he actually came around, apparently, and they were very good friends afterwards. So sometimes there are happy endings. But... Um, you know, this it, it just smacks of that because as you were saying, Melanie, there is just no proof in any of these claims at all. And I don't really know of any big situations where a transgender person has really unfairly won the game. Right. Yeah. Well, it doesn't happen. It just doesn't. <laughs> well, now hold on. It does. In in Texas, they just had the uh wrestler, a, a trans boy, who's forced to participate in girls wrestling and i think for the second year in a row uh one state champion there you go that's the reverse you know well this is rooted in sexism uh we have to protect the women folk they don't actually recognize and turfs have a hard time with this too they don't recognize that trans masculine people exist at all there's there's this whole um even within the trans community, trans masculine people are are often sidelined, and they just they're just uh, not taking into account all of uh, what this means for for folks. So it just proves that they're not doing their homework. It proves that this is something that they just came up with, and that the fact that there have been trans kids in sports for 
decades, and that it's not a problem, but they are just now saying, oh my god, look what's going to happen when these folks come. It's like they didn't even know we existed back then. Guess what? We've been here forever. Yeah. The IHSAA, the uh, state body for regulating um, high school sports, they have rules and regulations for trans inclusion in the sport, and they are restrictive, uh, but not undoable. You have to be under a doctor's care. You have to uh, fall, fall within certain guidelines. The problem is, again, like you were saying, Ireland, how, how do people who exist in the, the vast space in between, boy and girl, male and female, where do, and I'll say we because that includes me, where do we fall? Yeah. And for those who don't want or need to medically transition, you know, there's all this rhetoric around, well, you have to have a, you know, you have to have been on treatment. You have to have a diagnosis of gender dysphoria. All of these things are not, are not essentials. They're not requirements to be trans. These are things that some people, some trans people experience and some trans people do need medical treatment and do need hormones and all that. But yeah, that's the thing a lot of people I think don't understand is it's sort of more of, it's not a checklist. It's more of a grab bag of things that you may want to do or like, you know, and people like me, like as a non-binary trans masculine person that I, you know, spent a lot of time ruminating on all of my labels and everything, but like, I'm still figuring out what it is I want. And like, even though I'm, I'm, I've been on hormones for six months, like, and I'm looking into top surgery. I didn't always feel that way. I wasn't quote unquote born this way. You know, I didn't realize this until I was fully an adult. And, but there are so many kids who are realizing this at a much younger age and they should have the options and the accessibility to all of this that they deserve. I mean, yeah. When we talk about how many people does this affect? That's one of the big sticking points for some people. Oh, well, it, this is such a small minority of the population. And they'll pull out 0.4% or 0.6% or 0.8%, which was a, a recent poll of, of adults identify as, as trans or non-binary. When you poll the youth who haven't grown up in a world that was so restrictive that they might not even realize, like you were saying, you didn't realize who exactly you were in as in regards to gender until later. Yeah. Um, because, and I think I've uh, uh, heard you say that that was because you just didn't know that that was a, an option. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, you know, the labels I use usually now are non-binary and like sexuality wise pansexual. And I remember in high school, pansexual was like barely even a thing. And when it was talked about, it was joked about, it was a, you know, it was a something to make fun of. And same thing with trans. And I think non-binary, I didn't even really hear that term until like college, you know? So yeah, representation is a big thing. And so many of these kids have so much more representation and so much more access to the internet, just the internet. And you can do a quick Google search and figure out what non-binary is, you know, like. And that's just it. There is more access. There's more knowledge. When uh, I was coming up, I had heard terms, and of course they were joked about back then. Not that they aren't now, but back then it was more joke than than immediate threat. And I didn't know what intersex meant. I had no clue. And most people still don't. And right. we're talking That's about a... mm-hmm. medical professionals. Mm-hmm. Oh, we never heard of you. Ignorance. And, you know, that's why Ireland, when you were saying about, you know, kids making fun of pansexual, they didn't know what it meant. I mean, I didn't right. know what that meant a few years ago. 
Yeah. I made fun of the term pansexual when I was in high school. <laughs> I had no clue what it meant, you know? We are becoming more aware. They talk about this being a trend. Uh, <laughs> one of the things my ex called me once, horseface, the trendy tranny, uh, which, I mean, fair enough on the horseface, but <laughs> trendy? No. Um, and this this was actually like so wait, I, I just want to be over 13 years ago. What? What you were saying, I just want to be clear. Are you, are you saying that she thought you were just being trendy? She was commenting on the fact that trans people were more visible and that we were living our truths more. Part of it was some bitterness and resentment for our failed relationship because she had other trans friends in her life, but didn't feel the same she way about them. And that she had with you. Right. You know, that that's that was just a thing that even that far al- uh, ago was something people were saying. Oh, it's just a trend. It's just, you know, this is the internet brought this up and now everybody's sharing it. Now everybody just wants to be trendy. Yeah. No, it's people being aware finally about themselves. Mm-hmm. And I bowed you for that. It's and like, that... Why are all these trans, what, there are so many trans people now. Where are all these trans people coming from? Yes. They've always been here. Right. They just didn't have the language or the the freedom to express it. And part of the always been here thing was, uh, and I, I bring this up a lot, but it needs to be said, many of us died yeah. before we were able to come out. Many of us committed suicide. You know, the numbers are 47% have report attempting suicide, but that doesn't include the people who are successful obviously. We're talking about people of, you know, my generation and older, and even even millennials. However, with the younger crowd, the younger millennials and Gen Z, and even with people who are, are coming out now who are a little bit older, there's more acceptance, but there's more understanding of who we are. The, the numbers may show something still horrific. We don't have numbers on that. We also don't have numbers on non-binary people that are of uh, great enough volume of studies. But when you go to some polling on the issue, the number of people who identify now nationwide, trans or non-binary, is almost 2%, which is huge. And if you go to some places like California, in California, Northern California, there was a study and uh, if I can find it, I'll link it. But it was in the mid-teens of people who identified as trans or non-binary. So there you go. We are a huge chunk of the society. We've always been. But the hate that was shown us, the intolerance, being not accepted in our families and our, our world drove so many of us to end ourselves or to hide. Um, I know people who are still stealth and they cannot come out because it would be ruinous for them. They don't live in a place or in a situation where that's acceptable. It cuts across mm-hmm. all other demographics. So it doesn't matter what your heritage is. Um, we're here. We're here in vast numbers. And we're going to need this to be addressed. Yep. Sorry. And the number's only getting bigger. More and more kids are coming out as non-binary every day. It's not like we're contagious. We're just visible. Yeah. And uh, hello world, here we are. I think it was David <laughs> Bowie who probably ruined it for everybody, right? This was. <laughs> Did he start it? Well, happy transgender day of, of visibility, Melanie. <laughs> <laughs>
And it is. In, in it summation, is. it's a happy transgender day of visibility. As scary as it is out there, it is a happy day because it is getting better. Not really fast. And there's still yeah. so much work to do. But these bills, actually, that I'm talking about, these these laws in some places, we're here in Indiana, and they will be here next year popping up, and they will be here the year after. We're going to be fighting this for a long time. You know, we did it with the bathrooms. We're doing it here. Back to Arkansas. The same day Governor Hutchinson signed the law that banned children, trans children in sports, it was a one-two punch that day. And the second law is horrific. It allows healthcare providers to deny help that's non-emergency, non-life-saving, we'll say, to people who are LGBT because of objection a, a of conscience. And uh, that can be for any reason, and you don't have to justify it. And of course, this does apply to employers who are choosing healthcare for their employees. Uh, they can choose to deny coverage for LGBT-related health care. The insurance companies can choose to deny LGBT-related health care uh, to people. And this is serious. This is horrific. And I Absolutely horrific. I mean, this is just absolutely criminal as far as I'm concerned. Beliefs like this do not belong in health work. Health should be available for all people. And you don't get to make the decision who lives or dies or who gets to be healthy or wealthy or wise. <laughs> I mean, it's just absolutely medieval. It's something that really, really I mean, what happened to the Hippocratic oath? Where right. is that right now? Right. Good point. I, I mean, to me, this is just, okay. There are lots of things that I'm upset about, of course, in the world that go on and there's not much I can do about it except for complain, but this is the type of thing that I'm like, this is no, like, this is not legal. It is not legal. You know, we're all supposed to be equal and you cannot refuse health care to somebody if you're a health care provider because you do not believe in them. You know, I mean, we aren't dragons or <laughs> phantoms. Speak or for yourself. Okay. <laughs> I identify as a medieval dragon. Thank you very well, much. Um, <laughs> my skin's all scaly. So I mean that that's that we're mythical creatures. We don't exist. We're wrong. That they can say, "Oh no, you you're not sick. You don't deserve to live." You know, I I just don't understand how that this is even making it. Our existence over your beliefs or your religion or whatever it is. This is our existence. This is our life. And that's, it's, it doesn't compare your, your beliefs and your religion has no, has no power over that. Right. And they're trying to give it power. Right. That wasn't, I have many Christian friends now and you know, I, I may not believe the same things that they believe, but I respect them for what they believe. And they don't, they're not Christians that cause me any harm. I think that they would agree that I deserve medical care, you know? Right. Uh, but yeah, our prejudices and our beliefs, we, we all have them, right? But I honestly can't think of anything that I think that just because I do not agree with evangelicals, that I would not, if I was in a position to give them CPR, that I would refuse to do it because I did not agree with their beliefs, and this gets into a whole other bag. I was 
talking to somebody on a, a person's post, and it centered around rights and freedoms, and oh, it was about COVID vaccines, of course, passports, and the thing that you know I was saying was, you know, we give up a lot of freedoms and rights. We don't have freedoms and rights. Uh, a lot of us equal to you person who's speaking. Oh, what do you mean? And so I enumerated and he came back with, those were all taken care of. You've got rights. You're equal. You're kidding, right? Like really? I think people believe that the world is different if they don't face the prejudice and the intolerance. They just believe the stuff that we were taught that America was supposed to be but it doesn't actually exist. Oh, racism isn't... think that we have rights if doctors refuse to treat us. Right. Well, but what about... Employers can fire us. Or... Yeah. The manner of things, you know? If it's okay to kill us. If it's... Yeah. Yeah, in most states, the queer panic is still acceptable as a defense. Absolutely. Right there, unfortunately. So that shows you, and women's rights are not equal at all. Never have been. Still fighting for it. And just you know, this week in Minnesota, the Supreme Court of Minnesota handed down a decision saying it's okay to rape a woman if she got drunk and passed out. Are you serious? Swear to God, look it up. My thing, all you have to do is... I, just, I can't even speak on that. Yeah. People, you know, say, oh, is it okay to rape a man while he's passed out or drunk? Is it okay to refuse a man medical care because he's heterosexual? Right. Yeah. It's against my religious beliefs. And I think that they don't take that into account at all. I, I think they don't see how it can backfire on them. Not that it should. Not that it should even be something like a threat. We shouldn't have to say, oh, well, what happens if... Because it's patently ridiculous to refuse anybody healthcare. Yeah. Well, well it's the whole backlash to progress. I think. Yeah. I mean, exactly. It's just hard to see that when we see all these medieval laws coming into play. But yeah, I mean, we have made great progress, and this is fear, you know. And as we said when we were talking about the transgender students playing sports, we had to deal with that with with gays, with women. Mm-hmm. blacks with you know what i mean anything it's always like oh our kids can't play sports with them the other and now it's it's transgender people i think the term you used probably not the term that you should use yes that's not a good phrase well i don't use african-american no I, i'm just saying black folk maybe black people but okay um yeah but I, i'm just saying there's always an other you know. Yeah. Right. Totally. Well, and are we surprised that people still feel so entitled to these beliefs? Like this is what this whole country was built on was the white, you know, manifest destiny colonizer mindset that, you know, women are inferior. The other, you know, we have to conquer and oppress in order to, you know, keep the patriarchy and all this, you know, whatever. It all trickles down from that. We're still dealing with these issues, you know, none of it is you know, and it's not going to be over for a long time because it's so ingrained in every part of this country and every single person in this country and how the country even works, you know? Yeah. Speaking of healthcare and such, the next law out of Arkansas 
is uh, it's passed both the House and the Senate, and it's HB 1570. Now, this is one that the governor hasn't signed yet. As of this recording, uh, it's on his desk, and it's the Save Adolescents from Experimentation Safe Act. This is something that had uh, an analogous bill here in Indiana that thankfully has not surfaced uh, out of committee, and that is refusing minors any kind of supportive care for being LGBT. So that includes medical care for trans kids. That includes therapy for LGBT kids. Any kind of supportive uh, medical or psychological, or even within schools, any kind of support for a person's sexuality or gender identity that is outside of, quote, the norm, will be illegal. This would be the first law passed that would put such restrictions on kids. Oh, gosh. You can see the direct effect that's going to have. I mean, what are these kind of kids going to do if they don't have support, if they don't have a single person that they can talk to and feel affirmed, if they don't have a single person that at their school, someone who's not in their family, you know, who, who they can just talk to. And from every other, you know, angle, they're being told they're wrong. They're an abomination. They're not normal. They're Mm -hmm. weird. They're, you know, all these things. You can imagine what that does to a kid. It's going to isolate them, and it's going to uh, cause kids to commit suicide again. It's This is all... And I, I can't stress this enough, people. This is sick. Mm-hmm. This is attacking kids for your religious beliefs that do not comport with reality. Now, you might define reality differently, and that's your delusion. But this is what... Evidence and years of of research and science and therapy have proven they do not prove that these people's assertions are that if you just tell uh, if you deny kids help that they'll just come around to whatever you feel that they should be that is not supported over the past sixty years of trying that it doesn't work. All of these ex-gay groups, their leaders are coming out as still gay. They're closing down because it's not true. So your beliefs are absolutely false and they're killing people. And what redress do we have? We just die for them, for their comfort. How is that legal or moral or right or anything? It is American. But it is not the way, quote unquote, it should be. In Arkansas, or in Oklahoma, same area, in junior high, the teacher uh, singled out a child who identifies as a part of the LGBT community. And they brought up the Bible that they were killing LGBT people back then. That, that was brought up in class. So, oh, okay. So here the Bible is correct. We're bringing it up in class in the public school. The teacher then said that it's sinful to be trans and to change your body. This teacher said this to junior high school kids, 12-year-olds, 7th graders. The very most impressionable age. Right. I mean... When kids are coming out more and more, and they're having support, this child has support from their parent. And this is not the first time this has been reported at the school. 
Uh, and I'm, I know it happens other places too. It happened in junior high school when I was growing up. And now, in 2021, in public school, there is no reason why children have to feel that they are deserving of death. And there is no reason why stray kids should be told that death is the way that you deal with somebody who's LGBT. Exactly. Exactly. Because they are just as impressionable. They And they'll go on to regurgitate all of that and just continue all of this violence and hatred. Yeah. I thought you weren't allowed to bring religion into classrooms anymore. Oh, they want... They remember that bring... Catholic school. Put God back into school, right? And where do you go in the middle of uber conservative Oklahoma to get away from this? This mindset is supported. This action is supported. There's a panel of judges who, and this is in college, a federal appellate judge, Amal Thapper. Uh, penned a, a decision that declares college professor has a First Amendment right to insult and degrade tra- transgender students. And you know, if it's done to transgender students, it's fit for anybody, I guess. Um, but the professor specifically refused to use female pronouns for a trans woman student. And that is dangerous in many different ways, not just for the mental well being of the student. If that student wasn't out, as far as like being trans, maybe they were, uh, they had transitioned a while ago and, and for whatever reason, they were not being public about their trans history, which is absolutely fine. That could cause serious problems because, you know, kids in college don't make the best decisions. They can be pretty violent and harsh, mm-hmm. but even just being fair to your students, these are kids who are, and it's, again, a public university. This isn't a private, this isn't a, a, a religious institution. This is public. Now, the professor did say it violated his uh, religious beliefs to address her properly. Again, with the religion. <laughs> right. <laughs> it always comes back to that. Yeah. And it's not all religious people, obviously. And that religion gives people strength and tradition and a history and it's very important mm-hmm. but you know once again i just never understand why people think that their religion is more important than anybody else's or- yeah and these beliefs are not core to the religion this is what That's they're true. reading out of it they're this is what they're reading they're reading into this in this way that serves their own purposes and their own i always hear this argument that you know you know, being gay is a choice. Being trans is a choice. If we just, you know, keep them from doing it, then they'll they'll come around. Religion is a choice. The way you practice your religion and your religious beliefs is 100% on you. Yep. That's the end of it. I mean, if your religion, if your religious beliefs condone hate and violence, maybe you should think about changing those beliefs instead of Killing us, like you said, Melanie, to make yourself comfortable. And that is the cornerstone of all of American history. I mean, I'll, I'll put it world history, but specifically America, because America promises equality, right? America promises justice and does not deliver occasionally. 
and for some folks, but not universally. And really, if if justice and freedom aren't shared by everyone, then it means nothing. And if your religious beliefs, which like you said, it's a choice to practice the way you do, if that conflicts with that, then you know what? Shut up and sit down. There's no reason why you need to be out there making somebody else's life difficult. No reason at all. And if you have some weirdo belief that, yeah, I'm going to say it, because guess what? I've got First Amendment speech rights too. If your religion tells you to hate or kill people, you've got the derangement. That's your messed up mental state because you need to seek help. Um, the news isn't all bad. Remember what happened at the end of last week? Yes. You want to take this? I've been talking a lot. Well, yeah. Rachel Levine has yeah. been confirmed uh, by the Senate as Assistant Health Secretary. Woohoo! Woo. First, first transgender woman um, in in that high of a position in the government, right? Yep. And there was a lot of backlash against her, too. And I saw it on several different people's pages. But you know what? She got the nomination. Or she got the job. And now she's going to be doing the job. And that's the proof is in what she does. And by yeah. all accounts, she's she's great for the job. So, so congrats to Rachel Levine. Doctor. Dr. Rachel Levine. Excuse yes. me. <laughs> I'm sorry, Justin. No, I just said that that's such great news. Yeah. I'm so happy, especially after all of the prejudice that she had to experience just getting there. I mean, I mean, I'm sure it's been huge for years for her, but I mean, it was just, I couldn't believe, we talked about this a few weeks ago, I believe, and I, I just was taken aback at how she was treated. Mm-hmm. Even in the, the confirmation hearings, like... Yes, that's what I'm saying. It was yeah. traumatic to watch, like, it was. It God. Was yeah. Oh, yeah. Rand Paul was disgusting in his yeah, performance. Yeah. And it, it wasn't, he wasn't there to do anything but make a statement. And it was horribly queerphobic and nasty and had absolutely nothing to do with her. But he got the soundbite. Any more thoughts on the day and the, uh, the news? Do we have any announcements? I know Spencer Pride is, uh, they just put up on their website, they have officially decreed that they're excited about their October um, Pride Fest, which is going to be the 16th. So they're going to have their first fall Pride. I'm not sure if that's going to stay or not. Next week, I hope to have Smooth on to talk about what's going on over at the back door. That's that's still exciting. Yeah, I'm super excited to hear all about that. Well, I would like, since it's International Transgender Day of Visibility, mm-hmm. I would sort of like to give a shout out to Robina Osti, who died last week at the ripe old age of 99. Yeah. And I think it's very important to talk about our elders and the people that went before us. Um, you know, the things that they have done and been through. Um, Asti was a second world war II veteran and a commercial pilot, a mutual fund executive, a mother, a grandmother, 
and just a real inspiration and also changed the social security laws when she was denied social security when her husband died because they did not view her as a woman. Mm. And she had been living as a woman for some 40 years, you know, was just an incredible person. And uh, luckily she fought it in court and it changed the law. And I think that we all owe her a lot of gratitude. And she also founded the Cloud Dancers Foundation, which is an advocate for older transgender people. Oh, I'll have to look that up. That's amazing. Yeah, look her up because the more I learn about her, I'd never heard about her. And why? I mean, this is somebody that we should have been talking about when she was alive. And some people did, you know what I mean? She'd be the a great type of person to get on the phone and talk to. And, um, but she passed away at the age of 99 last week. And, um, what an amazing life. Yeah. Yeah. An amazing life. So, Oh, look, I'm not an authority on her. Unfortunately, I'm just now reading about her and I just happened to be reading the New York times and they had her obituary in there. And I'm like, wow, this is a person to take notice of. Maybe we need to do that. Yeah. Thank you. Maybe we need to do more of a, um, a more of showcasing our elders. Uh, I think that that's a wonderful idea. Yeah. Because we wouldn't be here if it weren't for them at all. Uh, we wouldn't have these opportunities. We wouldn't have the opportunity to gripe about <laughs> not having other opportunities. They are, they're the reason we're here. Exactly. And the thing is, is, you know, I have lots of younger friends and young foster children and stuff. And I'm always, well, of course I'm like a dinosaur to them. And I am things have changed so much and they change every day and I can't keep up. I call them all the wrong name. Um, but, <laughs> but so, but it, but it's this weird conundrum in that, yes, things have changed and there are so much things that we didn't have access to or whatever, but that doesn't mean we didn't exist. And so I sometimes forget to impart that knowledge to them. Like the more things change, the more they stay the same, or we have always been here. You know, it wasn't that back in my day, there weren't transgender people. There weren't people who were non-binary. It's just sometimes those words weren't there. Right. The words have changed. The politics have changed. The acceptance has changed. But we have always existed. And I really love honoring those who really, I mean, we're, we still have to fight. We're still fighting. But those that can you can you imagine growing up in the 1920s? No, as Robina Costi did, knowing that she was a female, yeah, identifying as a female. That that's I, um, just, yeah, wow. I read the Danish Girl, uh, which takes mm-hmm. place around the same time, Lule Elbe, and that kind of blew my mind. She was even able to pursue this, but the the determination and the the like dogness just being yourself was very unique, but she wasn't unique, you know? Right. Right. You say it so eloquently. That's exactly, I mean, yeah, we've always existed. I need to read that book, by the way. That's a good, if I can find it, I'll let you borrow it. 
That'd be wonderful. I'll drop it off at the microphone. Yeah, I should read the book. I always <laughs> sort of wrote it off because of the whole Eddie Redmayne situation, but like, yeah, I should read the book. Yeah. Looking at anybody who, any one of uh, our elders who, who paved the way, you know, they didn't have, they made the way, they blazed the trail. They're the ones that, that, that started it all through the wilderness and the courage and conviction and presence of uh, mind to be able to go through all that and to be able to put that into the world, put themselves into a world that was a lot more hostile than it is now and absolutely unforgiving. And yet they did. And here we are continuing their fight. Exactly. And one person to look up is Quentin Crisp. He was a wonderful writer and actor, and I had the great pleasure of working with him on a one-man show called Quentin Crisp. Um, an Evening with Quentin Crisp, I think it was called. It was back in the 90s. He was born in 1908. Wow. Um, I was a very young man. and um, In 1908? Yeah. <laughs> 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 now when I worked with him. But he was this flamboyant... He completely flamboyant queer character you know he had purple hair he had worn makeup um since he was a young person in the 1920s um you know i don't know that he really um identified as male or female he was a little bit of both you know he was a dandy but then he would be completely made up in rouge and lipstick and false eyelashes but still dress you know um in masculine attire. Um, but he, I had so many wonderful conversations with him and he was just fearless. You know, that he went around dressed like that and made up like that and just was completely unapologetic. He actually though often found that uh, people didn't mind. <laughs> you know, because he was so brave. I mean, they just really didn't know what to say to him. <laughs> I, think, I think most people given the chance and and given the right circumstances are are loving and accepting and many just don't know it because they don't don't have that opportunity mm-hmm. but that's awesome let's get more of that on unfortunately we are out of time again blooming out is a production of wfhb community radio and produced by melanie davis and kate young for blooming out and wfhb i'm justin robertson i'm ireland meacham i'm melanie davis And remember, if everything were straight, we still wouldn't be. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) Be well, stay safe, speak truth, manifest equity, demand justice, stop the hate, wear your masks, get your shots, and good night from your Blooming Out family.